Ah, oh, thank God for his faithfulness and his goodness. Tonight I want to speak to us on the on starting at the finished line. Starting at the finished line. Starting at the finished line. But before I get into the meat of the message itself, I just want to encourage all of us to not be frustrated at the amount of information that may be coming at you and maybe even be new to some of us. New in the sense that it's, uh, some, of this, some of these things uh, challenges the status quo, if you, if you, if you will, if I, so to speak. Uh, I've said this before and I'm saying this again, it took me a long time to even begin to shift or to think in the way I'm thinking now. But not only do I not want you to be frustrated, I want you to know that we have company. When I say company, there were others like us who also were reluctant, did not quite get it, and it's amazing to find these examples in the New Testament itself. Let me start tonight by going to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Let me look at the example of Peter, the apostle. This was after Pentecost. The Bible says, let me just start from verse 10. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Can you imagine that? Now, maybe you don't get it. This is post-Pentecost. Resurrection has taken place. The church is birthed. But Peter was a Jew who embraced Jewish tradition and Jewish way of thinking. So much so that even after the new covenant had been cut and God was trying to lead this great apostle to go do something, to go talk to uh, uh, Cornelius, because of his old way of thinking, he resisted God and said, no, I don't do this. I can't do this because this is, according to my Jewish tradition, this is a no-go. What is Peter saying to God? My actions and the way I do things has a direct connection with how I worship you. My works has a direct connection to how I connect and relate to God. And God said, wait a minute now. Perhaps in the past I called these things unclean, but whatever I have cleaned, 
you have no right any longer to disdain it, despise it, and call it unclean. This is the man that opened the church at Pentecost to the world. Hello? He struggled with the grace message. So what I'm saying to us tonight is, chill, calm down. Don't scratch or eat yourself the wrong way. Let's build little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept in time. God will open all of our eyes. Amen? Peter was the one that had the key to, open, to unlock the doors of the church to the whole world. And yet, he said to God, I'm, I'm a, he identified with his being a Jew than being a Christian. At the expense of his soul that was waiting, who will be the key to all of Europe. Are you following me tonight? So I'm saying to us, don't get frustrated. Be open. Listen. If it doesn't match scriptures, then discard it. Amen? But if it does, we need to repent. Repent not as being a sinner, but as changing our mind. The amazing thing about this passage in Acts chapter 10 was, even after God spoke to Peter, if you read it in verse 16, the, this was done three times. And even in verse 17, the Bible said, he still wondered. <laughs> so there's hope for me and you. Now, secondly, and I want this in the message translation. Please, Selwyn, I want you to be right on this, please, sir. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. In the message translation. Galatians chapter 2, beginning from verse 11. Message translation. Galatians chapter 2, not chapter 1, chapter 2. Thank you. Please look at this. The great apostle Peter. Later, when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face -face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. On, please, go on. Next verse. Here's the situation. I like this translation. This is Pastor Shino's translation. The way the thing breaks things down, man, you just surrender. You, you, become, you just become gentle. <laughs> Look at what is this. Here is the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with non-Jews. He had no problems. But when that Republican group, <laughs> I couldn't pass that up. <laughs> Joseph Andrews, when, when his group came, <laughs> Charles Dickens' group when they came, <laughs> Daniel Ajani's group when they came, <laughs> when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. Can you believe this? 
This is the man that preached the inaugural message at the birth of the church. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique. Those guys are powerful, man. Those right-wingers, they, <laughs> they get you every time. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision on place. Go on. Unfortunately, the rest of the church, or rather, the rest of the Jews in Antioch, Antioch joined in the hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept along in a charade. Go on. But when I saw that, they were not maintaining a steady, straight course according to the message. I spoke to Peter in front of them all. If you, a Jew, live like a non-Jew, because when you become a Christian, you are not serving God now in your ethnicity. When you, a Jew, become, you serve God as a non-Jew, when you are not being, we are not being observed by the watchdogs from Jerusalem. <laughs> what right do you have to require non-Jews to conform to Jewish customs just to make a favorable impression on your old Jerusalem cronies? Read on. We Jews know that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jewish sinners. Read on. We know very well that we are not set right with God. There you go. By rule keeping. But only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know? We tried it. And we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement. We believe in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. Did you all get it? This is Peter. Paul had to challenge him. Now, I'm sharing this to encourage us. Listen, we've been a long time in learning the old system. That's our default. That's where we all came from for the most part. Therefore, when you hear any things that challenge what you've held sacred over a long time, there is a tendency to resist it and say, no, it can't be true. It's too simple. It can't be that good. Because Peter, after opening the door to the church, went back to his old Jewish ways. And it took a Paul to openly challenge and say, oh, I almost spoke a vernacular. I almost said something. <laughs> he took a Paul. They said to him, man, you can't go there. That is wrong. Are you following me? So I just want to encourage us. Take a deep breath. We, 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 we love God. Uh, and I'm, 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 I'm telling you, if we just open our minds and let the Holy Spirit speak to us, we're going to be able to say, we, we're going to be able to arrive at the same conclusion. Now, having said that, let me also say this. Because most of the resistance to the pure grace message has been because good and well-intending people are concerned that whenever you put grace, certain elements will abuse it and take it as a license and occasion to sin. 
There's that legitimate concern there. But what I want to say to all of us tonight here is, listen, even though that concern is there, I want you to know that you are, no, you are not any more responsible for people than God is. Don't become a rescuer. Just speak the truth. Let the Holy Spirit, who is able to rescue, correct, rebuke, instruct, let him do his own work. Now, having said that, I want you to know there are grave consequences for sinful lifestyle. Grave, not just consequences, grave. Whether you believe in grace, you believe in uh, works, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying to you, listen, there are grave consequences. We need to be aware of that. Let me just go to the scriptures and give one or two of them. First uh, Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1. So anyone who will abuse the love of God, the grace of God, the privilege of God, must understand that they will suffer the consequences. It's not God doing it. And you can't even put it on the devil. It's just a consequence of making bad choices. That's just the bottom line. First Timothy chapter 1. Verses 19 and 20. Okay. Having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected, concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hermaeus, Arminius and Alexander, whom are delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, Paul here is talking about this group of guys who he described as having made shipwreck of their faith, of, of their lives. First of all, you need to understand the metaphor in which Paul is speaking. He's the same one that tells us that near you should not be tossed to and fro as with every wind of doctrine. Okay? He himself, having sailed, understands what shipwreck means. So now he's using this metaphor to tell you and I about what a shipwreck is. So first of all, shipwreck does not mean you lose your salvation. But it's warning us. Because when the ship wrecks, what happens is that ship stops short of its destination. So in a shipwreck situation, a believer who wants to be careless and, and abuse the grace of God and the privilege that God gives us, what Paul is saying to us is we, those kind of people stand the danger of making the shipwreck of their lives. In other words, making it simple, not able to fully enjoy and receive and, uh, and walk in the blessings that God will give you, living short of your potential. Just as a ship stops short of the destination, a believer that lives that kind of lifestyle, you live short of the full potential and blessings and destination God has for you. If, are, you are you hearing me? Okay, well, it's not clicking yet. Okay, nope, don't worry. Let me give one more scripture. Now, I'm not trying to depress anybody, but I just want to be responsible. First Timothy chapter 6. 
This one, this one will, will be a little easier to explain. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Did you, did you all read that? Now, I'm not dealing with money. But the point being made here is a certain lifestyle will bring to the individual who is living that lifestyle many sorrows. Many, so not just one or two, many sorrows. Case in point, in Acts 13, God himself testified about David, the son of Jesse. A man after my own heart who will do all of my will. Now, if God did not put that in the book of Acts, I don't know any of us here who can boldly declare that God will feel like that about David, having read about what David did in 1st, 2nd Samuel, and 1st and 2nd Kings. Are you following what I'm saying? If God did not testify about David the way he did in Acts, I couldn't look at what happened in David's life. I know he was a great man, he was a great warrior, he, yeah, he, he loved God, yes, I know that, but I also know some other things about him that will definitely have disqualified him from such a commendation from God. Is that not correct? The son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Now, no doubt God loved him and David loved God. But do you want for one minute to exchange your life for David's? David. How many sons did he bury? Adonijah died. Absalom died. Ammon died. Hello? The pain, the agony of living and seeing his sons rebel against the kingdom. The whole nation went to battle because on account of his son. Was that pleasure? Was that pleasant? Is that, is that fun? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, I'm sharing that to help us understand that even though God loved him and he moved on to be with God, a great patriarch and a great example of a man that God loved, a man that walked in grace, but he was careless in certain parts of his life and he suffered the consequences. Even God's grace and love did not prevent the consequences. Because we must understand certain things about the scriptures. Because the seed that you still sow, the harvest is there. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Wow, this, this crowd is sober, man. You guys came with your shouting shoes on. You'll shout in a minute. <laughs> but I just, I just want to make sure we know why we're shouting when we shout. Now, I've talked about the frustration. I've cautioned us on the danger of excessive, careless living. Now, let me, let me throw this out before I get into the message proper tonight. When you are born into the natural world, 
Is there anybody here tonight who had a choice in that matter? Did you have a choice in choosing your parents? The nation of your birth? The date of your birth? And the time of your birth? I don't see any monster here tonight, so I don't see anybody saying that they... None of us! When we were born into this world had nothing to do with it. Not a thing. And even after you were born, peradventure you said, well, you know, I don't like my parents. I just don't like the father that I was born in the, uh, whatever the place is. And then you took some actions to change your name, advertise in the newspaper, renounce who your parents were. You went through all of that. At the end of the day, does that change the fact that your parents are your parents? Are you guys hearing what I'm saying to you? If it is so in the natural, and Jesus very wisely said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, connecting the againness with the first birth. You must be born again. If in the natural, I had no choice in the matter. Spiritually, go with me please to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Very quickly. John 1, verse 11 says, He came to his own and his own received him not. Look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So how did you and I become born again? Was it by our choice? Was the we, were we the ones who initiated it, sowed the seed of the word, watered the word, and caused the word to germinate and bring a new birth? The Bible just told us. Made it clear, not of man, not by the flesh, but of God. You see, you and I take it for granted. You don't recognize that you are sitting here and you've been born again as a direct orchestration of the Spirit of God. Who would you? Who drew you? Did Jesus not tell us that no man can come to the Father except that his Spirit draws him? So if you became a child of God, not by the act of your own will, not, by the, uh, uh, not, not because you could make it happen, if it took God to bring you into his kingdom, if it took God to make you become born again, you can change your name if you want. You can even put it in a newspaper and renounce your citizenship. Oh, I'm going to go there. You can even, if you want, become a devil. 
does not remove the truth of the fact that you are born from above. I know I'm, I'm going to let that sink a minute. Listen to me. Before you become born again, Colossians 2.13, get it for me please. Colossians 2.13, listen to what it says about you and me. He said we were dead in trespasses. This is a better way of putting it. We were dead. You know what it means to be dead? You guys are looking at me funny. As, do you guys know what it means to be dead? When you go to funerals and see a coffin or a casket, can the dead man or woman, like, can he speak? Can they say, wait a minute, I, I don't like this casket. I, 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 I want an orange. You guys put me in blue. Can he say that? And you, being dead, in your trespasses, we were dead, y'all. We were dead. And the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, God, has made our life. Were you there? Did you see the working of his spirit when he did it? It's an oppression of the spirit. So now, having received this grace and having been born again, I should be appreciative of what God has done, what, how he has loved me, how he has expanded his grace, and how he continues to love me and woo me and train me and nurture me. But if peradventure I become careless, what happens at separation? When a believer dies, well, really anybody, what goes to God? Your spirit, your flesh in which you committed your sins become dust. It doesn't go to heaven. Your body does not go to heaven. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. All things are possible. Behold, all things have become new. What became new? Your spirit. When a man or woman dies that's in Christ, what happens? Their spirit goes back to God. And when Jesus comes back, he gives you a new body. Folks, we are arguing over, over things that we shouldn't be arguing about. Wow, it's 8.01 already. I've not even started on tonight's message. No, seriously, but it's important that we do this. I'm even wondering if I should just back off and take some questions because I want to make sure we get it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want to make sure we get it. First I said, don't get frustrated. You learn little by little. Even men ahead of us, as we just saw in scriptures, took them a while to get a hold of this. It took a while. But when I saw the one with Peter today, I said, I couldn't believe it. This guy gave the inaugural address to the church and was just thinking the old way. But now look at the grace of God. God did not kill him. Wow. But not only that, that same Peter later wrote to us and said, we grow in grace. I guess he had learned a thing or two. 
and can now come back and tell us that we grow in grace. It's come to realize the importance of growing in grace. Okay? All right. Let, uh, hmm. Does anybody really have something that's really bothering we want to spill out? If you do, I'll give you the moment. If you don't, I'm going to move on. Yes. Okay. Hold on, get, get the mic. Hold on for the mic. I just wanted to ask about personal responsibilities uh, when, based on what you just said about yes. uh, we didn't have a choice uh, in our natural bound, so we don't have a choice in our spiritual. No, no, no. I didn't say you don't have a choice in your spiritual. I'm saying you, do not, you did not get yourself born again. That's what I meant to say. Just as you, you could not bring yourself here naturally, by being born again was a work of the Spirit of God. You did not get yourself born again. God did it. So if God did that, I cannot undo what God did. Just as I cannot undo being born in a natural. Do, 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 do you understand what I just said? Yes, okay. yes, I do. Okay, now go ahead. I, I can't remember exactly the, where the scripture, where it was said that, I think it was Paul that said that they were part of us, or they were never part of us. First John. So, I'm trying to, is that a situation, is that in correlation with that, that for people who were, who claim to have been in the faith before and they, they backslided or whatever term we want to use, is that, a, is that, is that, a, is there a correlation between that scripture and this situation then? I think that's a different scripture, but the point John was making there is some of the people that you and I look at and use as examples of, oh, wow, Mr. So-and-so was a believer, and now they are like this. So John is cautioning us. You and I see them, we tend to judge that they are believers based on what we see. However, they are saying, according to that scripture, that if they were a part of us, they would still be with us. And that the fact that they were gone is an indication that they were never apart. So that's a totally different thing. Yes. Yeah, you're welcome. Oh, didn't you have something? Are you sure? Well, praise team, I think you guys come on now. You guys get on the platform while I'm waiting. If, if I started the new material, I won't be able to finish. So rather than start something I can't finish, uh, let me just put a comma where we are, pending. Uh, okay, but, but do you guys understand what I just explained about the patience in learning? And then you understand the other part about um, um, the natural birth versus the spiritual birth? <laughs> we are just quiet tonight. Liz, what's going on, girl? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, I, I really like to be able to teach on the identities, but in order to do it and do it well, I need a huge chalkboard. That's what we've been looking for all week. Big one, long, so I can draw some things on the board. So everybody can see it, it'll be a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> when do I need it? I, I needed it since Monday, last Monday. <laughs> yes, I wasn't too. 